Welcome to the fourth episode of the UC Davis Bioethics Podcast Series. This is Sam Yamshan, your host. What follows is a real case seen on the teaching service at the UC Davis Hospital. The case is presented by Talene Arcelanian and Anthony Mefford, third-year medical students, with expert commentary from Dr. Black, one of our internal medicine faculty at UC Davis. I hope that you find this series valuable and that it informs your patient care in the future. This case submitted by Talene Arslanian and Anthony Mefford. This is a 49-year-old man with diabetes mellitus type 2, hypertension, and CKD stage 4 who presented with anasarca and was admitted to the MICU for uremia requiring emergent dialysis. The patient received two emergent dialysis sessions and was transferred to the general medicine service where he decided not to undergo any further dialysis treatments. He had been seen for several months at outside hospitals and had repeatedly refused dialysis despite a grim prognosis without it. The patient had a brother who had died while on dialysis and a mother-in-law who was on dialysis for many years, so he was very familiar with the process and side effects. He has experienced excruciating headaches from his two treatments while admitted so far. He did not believe dialysis would help with the symptoms, and he did not want to commit to going three times a week to the infusion center. He states he would rather die than go through further dialysis. After discussion with the patient and his wife, it was clear that he has been consistent in his desire to not have dialysis over the last several months, despite the understanding his prognosis is weeks to months without it. The team believed he had capacity to make these decisions. After much discussion with the primary team and palliative care, it was decided that hospice care was most aligned with the patient's desires. However, a conversation with the patient's family and a dialysis nurse who pushed very hard for continuing dialysis led to frustration at his unwillingness to continue treatment. The family spent much of the day pressuring him to continue dialysis, and late that night, he relented and agreed to do three more treatments. The following day, he experienced a similar excruciating headache after the treatment, and after discussion with his wife, he decided to not pursue any further treatment. He signed a post and was discharged home the following day on hospice care. This case highlights the influence that healthcare personnel and their own personal beliefs can have on patients and their decisions. Despite having considerable experience with dialysis and being consistent over several months in his desire to not pursue this course, one particular dialysis nurse exerted enough pressure on him and his family to force him to change his mind. In this case, while dialysis would certainly extend his life, the question of whether that is in his best interest is debatable. In this scenario, the concepts of patient autonomy and beneficence were in conflict. Ultimately, we have a responsibility to respect our patient's wishes, especially given that this patient was fully informed and had capacity. The scenario describes a 49-year-old gentleman with late-stage renal disease who's urgently dialyzed for e or uremia, only to find out later that he's been refusing dialysis for some time, and once he's regained capacity, continues to do so. A conversation between the physician team and the, pres and the patient, with wife present, confirms this. The patient then agrees to further rounds of dialysis after further discussion with family and hemodialysis nurse. After the recurrence of severe symptomatic post-hemodialysis headache, the patient once again refuses dialysis and his goals of care or more rigorously change accordingly via the pulsed instrument. Although seemingly the narrative is about the preservation of autonomy and undue coercion of outside influence uh, from uh, caregivers and family, 
on that autonomy, it strikes me that this might be also a case where a static principle like that of autonomy provides an incomplete understanding of patient decision-making. It is in this gray area that real clinical challenges lie, because in the course of events, patients change their mind or their decision-making reflects internal conflict, which might be expected in these circumstances. A few questions come to mind to illustrate the point. If the patient and wife had been refusing dialysis with the recognition that he would die, in fact, if this was preferred, then why did he come to the hospital where the inevitable plan would be to undergo dialysis in the first place? In addition, who consented for dialysis? Presumably it was the wife, who later witnessed her husband's refusal of dialysis and quite possibly could have witnessed it previously. Was the wife present when the patient's family and hemodialysis nurse convinced the patient to try hemodialysis again? What could be interpreted as coercion on the part of caregivers and family may also be a reflection of the internal conflict that this and many other patients might have about the end of life. Autonomy, literally meaning self-legislation, envisions a patient as an individual who independently, rationally, and freely, or at least self-consistently, makes decisions for him or herself. But it fails to see that many others live their lives enmeshed in social and familial structures that affect identity, responsibility, obligation, and decision-making. When one's life is on the table, these factors come to bear in paradoxical ways as events reveal themselves. From a practical standpoint as a physician in this case, I would recognize the conflict that people have to live and die with, and rather than be worried about this or that particular hemodialysis session, I would have focused on establishing one fact from which all other consequences derive, that the patient won't be signing up for outpatient dialysis. After that, it's just a matter of trying to sort out what to do in the interim. I would seek to negotiate a way forward which allows the patient to resolve or minimize the conflict that he and his family feel so that he can be at peace with his decision. Thank you. This case demonstrates some of the limits of the definition of autonomy. While autonomy literally means self-governance, it fails to see that many people live enmeshed with others in their societal obligations and decision-making. If you have any feedback or additional thoughts about this case or case commentary, please feel free to email me, Sam Yamshan, at sjyamshan at ucdavis.edu. That's s-j-y-a-m-s-h-o-n at ucdavis.edu. Looking forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks for listening.